and guess what we're going live here we are welcome to thirsty thursday we're uh we're ramped up to fucking 14 right now already letting the f-bombs fly shouldn't have done that i forgot you're supposed to give it like three or four minutes before you do that yeah up oh, next <laughs> um, producer came in and took care of that one <laughs> um anyway we've got uh it, of course it's myself and it's ray and it's ryan we're here we're queer and we're gonna hold it down uh to the best of our ability um for those of you that are tuning in for the first time you can also check this out if you're if you're a lawn care guy we've got a lawn care guest on tonight and uh and you're like man i can't sit and stare at the screen for uh two hours while these guys are are, are drawing back and forth but i'm really interested in what they have to say well guess what uh, plug it into Spotify or Apple iTunes or music, stink, spatch, uh, whatever. However you listen to podcasts, you can get it in podcast form too, but, and, uh, and it'll be, it'll be a good time. So, uh, we got, we got that out of the way. Uh, Ryan is a slam a damn a ding dong right now. And, uh, and <laughs> so he's, he's video off for the time being, but don't worry. He's got a, a Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light. So it's, it's, uh, socially acceptable. And I, we probably encourage him to go ahead and of, of turn, turn in the video on, but yeah, he's respectful. He's a respectful guy. You know, we'll respect his respectfulness. And, uh, and of course, Ray is down there and, uh, we had a lively discussion involving death and dentists, uh, pre-show. <laughs> and, uh, if you're interested in checking out all the things that we do on the pre-show, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash burn and return and, uh, and do the damn thing there for the cost of the beer. Uh, you know, you can hang out with us in the pre-show. You can hang out with us on the weekends. You can hang out with us in our little community that we call the Discord, and it gets uh, everywhere from wild to mild, mild back to wild over there. We have some uh, lively discussions, some friendly discussions, some business discussions, uh, some uh, uh, chain yanking and uh, uh, jerk seasoning just flying all over the place. So <laughs> it's a good time. Patreon.com forward slash Burn and Return. Uh, Josh with Neutral on. How the hell are you? Hey, man, never been better. Good to be here tonight. This was kind of, uh, wanted to get on here, get a little out of my comfort zone. Obviously, I've been listening to you guys for quite some time. Appreciate some of the feedback that I've seen you give the guests. And I just kind of wanted to come on here and let you tear apart my program and ask some questions, kind of learn some information and uh, get me pointed in the right direction here as a smaller owner-operator type guy. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, give us a little background. How long have you been in business? Where are you? What kind of grass types do you maintain? Uh, and uh, and I, I guess a, a little detail about your business. Are you just Fert and Square? Are you are you a full service? What do you get into? So mainly just just Fert and Square. Um, do a little bit of uh, pest control on the side. This is my really third third year. I call it second season. My first season i kind of just getting my my feet wet a little bit uh jumped in kind of just doing friends and family um getting as much information as i could um and then from there really second year kind of got my feet i got my got my footing and then uh started to build that business and this year it's just really starting to, to take off so i'm really looking for some 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 positive feedback some good information that i can get from you guys on what, what type of program is going to be best, not only for, you know, best results, but also for, for scalability and, you know, maintaining the, the integrity. Yeah. And I, I've kind of, there's, there's a lot of different starting points we can go here. And I guess, um, for, first things first, 
right, so I can kind of wrap my, my mind around. I love the talk of scaling and scalability and um, and, and I, I think, I think there's a couple of precursors there to vet, um, what that timeline looks like. Uh, because in my experience, one of the, one of the, uh, the hardest lessons for me to learn, um, is, you know, you, you can, you can always dedicate a significant amount of time to learning the, uh, the, the art and the science of growing good grass. Right. Um, the the business strategy piece of it is something that is so foreign to me, right? And uh, I am the prime example of just the worst case example of what of what that looks like. And and so I, I think I think it's always interesting. And the things that I can uh, at least fill you in there is what 100% I'm certain did not work. And I can also share with you experience I've had uh, where I've worked for other companies and it did work. So. Um, as far as your business right now, you know, what, what does your setup look like? Are you, uh, are you, are you pulling hose five apps a year? Are you spreading and spraying seven apps a year? Give me, give me a little rundown. What's your setup and what's your program look like? Yeah, I'm going to take a quick step back here. So I'm in central Ohio, right in the, the maze country here, uh, Buckeye Ooh. territory. So, uh, yeah, right here in the 614 area, Columbus, yeah, right, Spring, Columbus Ohio area. That's right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so when I first started out first year, and I, I'm not going to you know throw names out there. I don't really want to get too saucy with it. But I, I started off on a program uh, that um, has to be the main product has to be refrigerated. Let's just say that. And when you're, oh yes, oh yes, yes! Oh! oh man. Direction quality is off the fucking oh, right now. I thought that is I thought so ready to kill. I thought we were kill. all going to do drugs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, we're back. We are back. Uh, good for you. And the reason why is that that is such. I know that was a painful thing to go through. I get it, right? But you got that out of your fucking system. And why it's a good thing you got it out of your system on the front end instead of on the back end or in the middle of it is that imagine the damage that can occur. Say you're at $300,000 of revenue and then at the end of that season, all of a sudden you're at $100,000 of revenue and you're operating at a massive loss. So instead of just making no money, you're fucking just losing monumentals, uh, uh, monumental amounts of money where you've got loans and all kinds of shit you got to pay for and you're just not there. So good for you yeah. for getting that out of your system. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of the model I live by. Like, I know I'm going to make some mistakes, you know, just jumping into it. I wish I did have, you know, more experience previously, but um, nevertheless, you know, this is where I'm at and uh, something that I really enjoy doing and passionate about. But, you know, just because I make a mistake once don't mean I'm going to make it again, right? Learn from that and move on. So, uh, yeah, that, that definitely was not a fun process, especially working a full-time job and getting off, you know, late in the afternoon, going to spray some customers' lawns and uh, stuff still frozen. You couldn't even get it in the tank. I mean, it was just it's an absolute nightmare. But just in terms of my overall program, so I'm really on a sixth application program. So I really yeah. do like that program a lot. I'm just for I just feel like it fits perfectly for the season that, uh, that we have here, the weather, just keeping you know control of weeds. So and my ideal is I want to have a, that's what I currently do is have a, uh, an all inclusive program, you know, so that includes road control. I don't, I don't like doing a lot of ancillary, you know, type services. I prefer to keep everything with all within, you know, one, one program. 
Um, so that includes your grub control, surface insect control, you know, kind of nut sedge control, you name it, kind of everything, you know, wrapped into one. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, All right. And, uh, and how do you seconds. currently apply? So, well, I've got a couple things. So that was, that was the first year. And then I quickly figured out that wasn't going to work. And then I uh, moved to a, another uh, line of products. Um, that was, well, before, uh, before, 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 before you get into the line of, Oh, okay. So you up to this point, you've been all liquid. Are you still all liquid? No, no, no. So, so, okay, that, okay. so going, going back to last year. So last year would have been my second season and I thought that it would be easier to get out. And, uh, so I went and got the permagreen. Do love the permagreen, uh, permagreen guy. Do really enjoy that. Um, so I went with more of an, an all granular program, uh, last year, but so now I've got, now I've got both. I've got a, a Greg and Clark's skid sprayer as well as a, as a permagreen. Okay. So okay. currently, currently I'm, I'm obviously, you know, we're getting the season here. It's going into the second round. So, uh, spraying all of that right now. Okay. Um, and are you, uh, are you still working a full-time job and, and doing this as a side hustle? Or are you full-time in this now? For the, for the moment I am, um, I do have another gentleman that helps me out, um, but uh, looking to make the jump really, really soon. It's, it's getting uh, much, much to handle. So, especially here the past, okay. good problem. Few weeks. I mean, it's just, good problem yeah, to it's have. Been, it's been a great problem. Good problem. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I think that is all the pre qualifiers, and then. Uh, it, it, at least from that standpoint. Now, I'm curious, how did you get into lawn care, like spraying lawns? Did you did you did you just like go balls deep into it? Like I'm going to figure this out, or did you were you a true green guy that was like, no, I can do it better than this? What happened? Nope, uh, just just totally made this. Well, uh, back in 2019, I, I kind of had this this goal in mind for for a number of years now, but. Um, in 2019, uh, had a house built and um, had some sod laid down, and it was just absolutely terrible. So uh, I jumped in and said, you know what, I'm going to figure this out, and uh, got a beautiful-looking lawn. A bunch of my neighbors had the same issue, so helped them out. And uh, I was like, wow, I really enjoy doing this, so I think I could make a business out of this. So I just jumped in, went all in for it, and uh, learned as much as I could, and started marketing a little bit to friends and family and it just started spreading from there. Okay. Oh, right. I love it. I love it. The American dream is alive and well. Um, oh, yeah. so central Ohio, yeah, I, I, I assume. Go ahead. And, Go and ahead. I do have a background working at supply chain for R and D, um, medical nutritional company. So just from that aspect to all the analysis and kind of that nerdy part just fits right in my lane. Yep. And, Beyond that, just building a business is just, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so that's just, I don't know, it just kind of all fit together. So. <laughs> uh, are you, are you nice. uh, like with, with your, your uh, transitioning out of day job, are you in sales? Uh, no, I'm not. No. Okay. You nope. for, in- for the, yeah. Okay. I'm just, just curious, just curious. Um, all right. So, uh, Central Ohio, your your uh, tall fescue, Kentucky bluegrass. Yep, yep. That's primarily what I see. Yeah, a little bit of rye every once in a while, but yeah, mostly uh, tall fescue and bluegrass. 
and this is this is always the million dollar question, and especially since we have we have Demay here, who's uh, who's who's the Central Ohio. He no longer goes by Ryan Demay, just like the Ohio State University. We have the Central Ohio. Um, where, where, if you can say where, where, who is your current product supplier? If you don't feel like saying, don't worry about it. Well, I've recently switched up. I mean, uh, primarily it's been ATS, um, okay. up till this year, up till this year. And based on some of the conversations I've heard you guys have of, uh, recently switched over to, to Helena, um, Got a pretty good relationship uh, going on over there with that guys. Mm-hmm. So. All right. uh, did you All right. did you get a couple quotes and you 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 had to uh, get the the flat shovel off your truck and scoop your jaw up off the floor? Uh pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay, just curious, just curious. I, I was just yeah. wondering. Um, yeah, yeah, just doing some uh, price check between trying to do some due diligence between the two of them. Uh huh. Yeah. I'll, sometimes I'll it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. There's going to be people out there that are going to they're going to cross reference that and they're going to be like ATS smoked my Helena and it's just the way it is. And 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 for some products, it's ATS was better. Some Helena is better. And there were there is some crossover there. Sure. Yeah. It it, uh, it all depends. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It all depends because uh, I know for me, my my criteria as far as the supplier goes is actually who carries the range of specialty products that I'm looking for. Because to me, fertilizer is fertilizer. But when I talk, when I'm talking about insecticides, fungicides, and herbicides, lack of an adequate product range, that is my, that's my sign. Basically. So let's let's talk about your program. What does round one look like for you? And so, what is an approximate start date? So approximate start date is right around that March 1st time frame uh, for me. So, so round one, uh, last year, round one, I, I dabbled in the whole um, biosolid, you know, organic um, granular fertilizer. Um, quickly yet yeah, got away from that. So, so this year, you know, round one for me is looking, uh, with a prodiamine, um, granular WDG, WDG, um, for a pre-emergent. And then, um, I'm doing a mix right now of a stabilized 4600 urea with, uh, some 2100 ammonium sulfate at about three tenths of a pound. Event. Is that liquid or granular? Liquid. Because awesome. 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 Just curious because yeah. I don't hear of too many lawn care operators blending ammonium sulfate and stabilized forty six zero zero. I mean, I happen to do it. You know, I do that as my nitrogen source as well, but then I don't hear of very many people doing it mm-hmm. in the business. And then yeah, yeah, that's that does have its benefits, you know, doing it that way, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and this was my my first year doing so, and uh, mm. a little apprehensive, to be honest with you, about going out straight ammonium sulfate. Um, try to go, you know, around two gallons, you know, per one thousand. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mix them, and so far, I mean, they, the lawns have you know, screened up nicely. 
Yeah, and I and let me qualm your qualm your fears right there. Uh, there's quell your fears. I don't I don't even know. Qualm, calm, 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 calm your fears. Calm, calm your fears. Ah, oh, buddy, I I'm I attempted to induce euphoria by all the uh, by all the the pre the pre <laughs> pre show talk. Just, I'm, I'm just, asking kindly, please. Just don't do that. I will. <laughs> oh, don't don't tempt me. Mm-hmm. Gosh, damn it. Um. At, at two gallons per thousand, you're not going to hurt anything with straight ammonium sulfate. You can no. apply it at a, a half pound of N. You're not going to hurt anything. You can apply it six tenths of a pound of N. You're not going to hurt anything. So uh, don't worry about that. Uh, and and to, to put it into perspective, like when back, back when I used to spray like urea, I, I mean, it was nothing to go out at two gallons a thousand and spray uh, an entire pound of in. And, uh, and <laughs> let me tell you at the end of the day, you would, you would have so much urea absorbed into your, your pants that you were wearing that you could literally stand them up by themselves. Uh, because all the urea had solidified on your pants and they just, they stood up all by themselves. So, <laughs> you, you know, I, this time of year it's it's not something to to get super antsy about i 100 percent understand apprehension going out every year every year my first round i was always nervous i'm like is this is this the year that i go out and everything i spray just dies right and, and i'm double checking my math triple checking my math and then i forget how to do math all of a sudden i'm like this is insane where am i I have to phone a friend and I call my dad and then I'm like, I can't tell my dad this. He's going to make fun of me. And so I have to hang up with him and it turns into a 45 minute conversation about what I'm doing with my life. And I'm like, I see, that's why I shouldn't have called my dad. So anyway, my point is, is that I, it's good to approach it with, with a little bit of apprehension, but to, to, to try and alleviate some of that apprehension is don't worry. You're not going to hurt anything at three tenths of a pound. You're not going to hurt anything at a half pound. And uh, if you did a half pound of AMS and a quarter pound of stabilized urea, you're not going to hurt anything either. So uh, don't don't beat yourself up too much over that. Um, are you doing any post-emergent weed control right now? Uh, yeah, just because of the weather, you know, um, mixed in either a general three-way with a light dose of uh, triclopyr on it. Um, yeah. yes. Honestly, I would like to get away. I would like to get away though from any. 24D, uh, just personal preference because mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of residential lawns. I haven't really found mm-hmm. a good alternative. I know there's cool power out there. Um, power zone. Okay. I, I've tried. I have cannot find power zone. I've called pretty much every supplier, at least in my mm. area that I know uh, of. Try power is anybody. another one. Okay. But I can, I can, I can tell you right now that for a lot of your weeds that show up in a cool season region. Majority of those weeds can be handled by triclopyr, quinclorec, mesotrione, or sulfentrazone, or else all of the above in various combinations depending on what weeds you're actually seeing. Because 3-way or 2,4-D, to me, that is so 1950s. Okay, yeah. that is so 1950s, all right? And so if your turf grass type tolerates 16 ounces to 24 ounces per acre of triclopyr in the spring, 
I don't see a good reason not to do that because I think you've heard me talk about that previously where I have second thoughts about applying 240-based herbicides to lawns and properties where there are dogs and children involved. You know, I have second thoughts about that too. So, you know, when possible, yes, I, I get away from conventional three-way as much as possible. Uh, and when possible, it's something else. It's the alternative products. And, yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, because I don't see a good reason why you can't and shouldn't do most of your weed control in the early spring with triclopyr. Yeah, another product that I used this year uh, going out early um, was Defender, uh, just because I had some leftover from, from last year. I had a good amount Defender. What what do you yeah. think of Defender? So, because I've I've seen the the labeling on it, and my impression of it the label is, is weird, that, isn't it? Yeah, but the, my impression of the of the Defender product is that it offers flower suppression of dandelion, but it doesn't promise to necessarily kill weeds. In other words. It buys you time until you can go out with your triclopyr and smoke the dandelion. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's, that's exactly all it does. And but then otherwise, yeah, the defender is nothing more than a sulfonylurea herbicide that happens to be tolerated by cool season grasses. That's what defender actually is. Yeah. Fluoresculum. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, just as you said, to buy me some time. Um, that way, we didn't have any any dandelions popping. And and I will say but, that for the majority of uh my lawns, I have I do not have um, dandelions at all. That, that, that at least flower, right? So you don't get those callbacks. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you one more is that maybe if you go into the fall and you have some weeds late, you know late summer, early fall, and then when it starts to cool off again, hit those lawns with triclopyr and quinclorac in the fall. Yeah. And that's going to reduce the amount of weeds that you have carrying over into the spring. The uh, So round one, uh, March one, round two, when does that kick off? And is it a basically a repeat of round one? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, exact repeat uh, minus the, the defender there of, uh, of round, round one. So that's, you know, that's going down, you know, well, we're starting that now here, so mid-April. Uh, so generally around six weeks apart um, is, is what we're looking timing-wise. All right. And then, and so then we're looking at June one. What does round three look like? Well, this is this is all new for me for this year. Um, so really okay. trying to dial dial my program in. So I'm looking, you know, just going down with a stabilized urea, really light, you know, a, a tenth of a pound of N, um, spot spraying any type of weeds that I see with a backpack, um, you know, any nut sedge or anything that may be popping up. 
Um, depending on how far in June we get, you know, mixing in some grub control there. Um, looking to use um, uh, not a celebrant, a Neutrino, I believe, is the, the one that we got on, on tap for this year. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much, you know, both both of my, my summer rounds, you know, June through the beginning of August. It's, so June, June through August, that's, that's going to be three and four or just three? Three and four, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so basically grub control would carry over to, you know, through August kind of thing, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah. where you may start well, with a little bit of in, yeah. and, uh, and then when you start switching over to grub control, just make sure everybody gets a grub control in, in looking at the Tetrano. Right. All right, so um, then as we move into five, what are you doing for five? So this is where I'm, I'm really struggling uh, with the program. So I wanted to go down with, start, you know, hitting it heavy, you know, with a, with a granular fertilizer, whether it be, you know, all mineral source or not sure yet, but, but I, as Ray had mentioned there, I was looking, you know, to do a, a weed control application in the fall as well, or, you know, late summer, early fall timeframe there. Um, so, you know, that, that would put me, I would prefer to be able to spray everything, right. Versus having to double coat the yard or, I mean, I guess I could always, you know, ride the permagreen and I personally, for most of my yards though, the, the permagreen just doesn't work. I would rather walk the yards by the time I get that permagreen off the van and, you know, get it loaded up and everything. I can either get a hose out or just get a, you know, let's go spreader and just, and get it done. Mm-hmm. So that I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure there. That's why I was going to, you know, kind of ask some, some guidance there. I would prefer to go out, you know, with probably an all liquid app run application but i don't know how how i would be able to get you know enough in down i guess and actually and then round round we'll, we'll move it around six and what is the t- so around five i'm assuming you're starting that at the end of august and then uh round six uh would be october yeah, yeah round five it's probably mid-august yeah uh september round six yeah october into november okay Okay. And, uh, and, and I, so I'll, I'll say right now, we kind of have a blank slate on round five and six, right? Is that, is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm planning, you know, most likely round six, uh, depending on feedback here is, you know, going out, you know, a pound of in, you know, with, uh, all mineral source sources is what I was leaning towards, but. Okay. Well, I think, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'll just I'll cut through a lot of the bullshit right now is that I think, one, I have done the all-in-one program thing, and I think that it feels good, uh, but in, in, in reality, it doesn't quite work out the way you want it to. Um, you are going to end up having to upsell something. And, and I, yeah. I assume that that's what you're trying to get away from. Is is having to continually feel like you're having to sell something when you're on the property? Am I am I in the in the wheelhouse there, or is that not a concern of yours at all? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I I, okay. I just prefer just the, the simplicity. That you know, it's for me, it seems to be an easier sell. Essentially, I have three packages, right? Everyone gets option A, option B is with core aeration, option C is everything with 
aeration and overseeding. Okay. So I, okay. I will, you know, upsell aeration and overseeding. I, and I do do some, you know, some perimeter pest control. Um, sure. So I, I upsell that one too. Um, d- d- as far as disease control, is it is is disease management just not something you've really had to deal with up to this point, and that's why it's not on your radar? Yeah, no, I, I haven't gotten into that, not at all. You know, if it okay. if it gets wiped out that bad, yeah, then you know, just aerate and oversee in the, in the fall. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I would keep that in a in a hip pocket and and you know offer it as an upsell on an as needed basis, right? And Maybe it's something that it's on your marketing literature, but you're not actively promoting up front. And it's something you encounter when you're out there. You're going to have a season at some point. It, it could be two years. It could be 20 years. You never know where the disease is so bad that you are going to uh, question everything you ever thought you learned. And, uh, and it's going to be to no fault of your own. It's just the way that, you know, when you deal with nature, what you're going to end up encountering. And, uh, and, and and when I say you're going to question everything you know is that you're going to you're going to want to redesign your whole program and add disease control into it and try to bake it into it instead of offering it as an upsell and then that's where it turns into a clusterfuck again been there done that it's it is a disaster so in my opinion even if you're not actively marketing that at least listing it somewhere on your literature that it is something on an as needed basis you do offer as part of a service portfolio for an additional cost kind of thing. And, uh, and I think people will get to know you in the, in the short term and the long term and understand that you're not down there beating down their door, you know, Hey, February's here. You better start signing up for fucking disease control. It's coming around the corner. You know, they get through far enough into the season without you, you know, beating their ass up and down over it. Then they're going to, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. That way, when you do make the recommendation, this is like, oh shit, he never talked to me about this before. And he was right. I mean, he's pointing at it and I see it. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do it. I, I think, I think that's fair. I wouldn't just write it off as like something out of sight, out of mind. I'll never offer it. That kind of sort of thing. You know, it, it may not be part of your pitch. It may not be part of anything you do. Um, and you may seldomly do it. You may not do it for three years. You may do it once every three years uh, for just select properties, no harm, no foul. But I think at least offering it as a product selection, you may end up picking up a customer or two or four out of it through the course of the growing season because they call, they have the wherewithal to be able to say, hey, I legitimately know I've got a disease going on out of here. Can you please just come take care of it? You're like, yeah, okay. But while I'm here, this is what I'd prefer to do is get you on a program sort of deal. Right. Um, so, uh, the, the, the whole first part of this through round four, I mean, I, there's, there's not really anything I would curtail too much. I would probably bump up, uh, my round one rate, And, uh, and I would probably, uh, and, and Demay, you, you, I'm curious what you have to say about this too. In, in June and July, I, I would, I don't think I'd be doing point one. I think I'd be a little bit more aggressive than that. Maybe, maybe a quarter pound. Um, because I know y'all are hot, but you're not dormant hot. Are you? I don't know. And you may be like, no, we're fucking dormant. Don't do it. No, we're not. We're not dormant. And I think quarter pounds fine in that period. And uh, so, you know, you know me, Matt, like the, the agronomics are important, but I got to understand too. Like, so, a couple qual you know we, we we've talked about you know some of the quantifiable stuff let's talk about what type of yards what type of properties are you getting on are these like 
new homes are these second you know you know uh whatever like 80s 90s homes things like that first you know first time home buyer type of shit like what's the target market and i know what side of town you're on too which is which is good so you don't have to share that or whatever but i know where you're at uh, so most of my customers now are new homes. So that's where I've kind of cut my teeth is uh, new sod, um, you know, laid out in the middle of July or August. You know, it's kind of all shrunk up. So <laughs> trying to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. So uh, that's that's where I've got the majority of, of my work here. And um, yeah, so yeah, I do have some, some older longs as well, um, but the majority of them are, Newer homes with uh, with laid sod. And, and how do you market to those folks? Like how how are you getting in front of them to let them know that Neutralon is the only and best choice for them? Uh, done a variety of different things. Um, door hangers. Um, I even went door to door a couple times talking to folks. Uh, Mm-hmm. Mostly it just sells itself because you get, you get one or two properties, show them what you can yep. do and then get on the community Facebook pages and neighbors are referring you. And then, you know, you may have 30 of them in one subdivision. That's perfect. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the kind of thing, right. With the way that things are built out, you know, in our area and particularly on your set of town and what's coming, you know, there's, uh, there's a ton of opportunity, right. To just do that, to, you know, you don't have to sell the whole neighborhood in the first run through, right? And I think there's things that you can put in there on that, like on that front of uh, differentiators, like being, hey, we're your new sod specialist, right? Like that kind of stuff, right? Somebody's going to look at that and say, oh shit, I got new sod. That's me. He's talking to me. Those types of things, uh, I, I think, really, really stand out because everybody else is, uh, and. I, I dislike this. This is one of the things I dislike about lawn care business in general is that, you know, there is, you know, there's a space for it of people that just want to say, Hey, do your six apps, send me a bill and GTFO. Like I don't, you know, whatever happens, happens. I want to be reasonably happy. But I think with people with newer homes, people that are spending that kind of money, right. To get into a new home, they probably expect a little bit more. So if that's what you cater your business towards, right. That, Hey, this is the kind of people that we're looking to serve. It's you, right? That I'm talking to right now, Mr. New Homeowner with, you know, new sod, all that kind of stuff, crappy soil. And then that gives you a chance to kind of, um, you know, kind of show your, you know, show your metal, show your smarts and let them buy into not just the company, right? But you, right? And that's the the first part of, of growth, right? Is that you've got to be able to sell. You've got to be able to upsell. You've got to be able to, get people to sign back up to retain customers and kind of keep the, keep the ball rolling. And so there's, gosh, I don't know, a hundred different lawn care companies in, in the County that we live in alone, maybe more, I don't know, but you know, that's yeah. my question to you is how are you going to set yourself apart? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's something that I, I know, full transparency still trying to figure out. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, oh, you just said it though. You answered you know, the question. You answered the question already though. Josh, you got, you, you take people in the, the further that you niche down, like if you, and if you think about like, again, situations that we're in right now, there's a lot of new sod that goes out around here, whether it's on residential properties and oh, by the way, commercial properties, 
I have a contractor that we work with here in town on your side of town, as a matter of fact, um, not too far away from where you're located that just laid, oh gosh, let me think, like 11 acres of sod on a commercial property here <laughs> like a week ago. Now that is something to get into, right? And that's something where you can kind of, you know, again, uh, cut your teeth and get your, you get your foot in the door of some of these places and kind of get going. So I'll shut up for a second. I have some thoughts about the program and everything like that. Yeah, in in this in this marketing vein, there's you stroked out. Constantly, I've got a lot of things firing off in my head right now, and that's that's still the after effects of years. Hit the pen. Hit the pen. Absolutely horrific things I've done to myself. I am firing on. Do you need six and a half of of the of the eight cylinders? Yes, please. I need I need smelling salts all the time. There's a constant flow of it in a in a Jeffrey. Can mask. you pass me the drill and the sulfuric acid, please? <laughs> I'm ready to be a zombie on a guy Um, so a couple things to think about on the on the marketing thing, right? And I've I've talked about this before, but cl- classifying your customers, right? Like and and classifying what you perceive to be an ideal customer. And I and I'm going to throw these out there, and you can decide whether it applies to you or not. You don't have to do that here, but it's food for thought. And, you know, things that may appeal to your target customer, you know, like um, uh, you can trust the person who's going to be on your lawn with your biggest investment, your home, right? Um, you know, there, there will not be a crackhead rummaging around in your backyard that is part of my company that is picking up your vases and looking underneath it, trying to find a spare key or... or you see what I'm saying? You know, there may be people who have that fear in the back of their head. And if it's part of your message that you can trust my company on your lawn to value your property as if it were my own. And however you want to phrase that to appeal to the people you're talking to is entirely up to you. That's part of your marketing message. But that may be something. You may target people that are high income people that are constantly traveling. And I, I used to call these people uh, uh, Tommy the Traveler. Always gone, always in Greece or Ireland or Budapest or wherever, and and it's just like, oh yeah, man, I just got back from such and such and such. I appreciate you taking care of the lawn. You know, again, another one of those situations is like I can be your eyes and ears on the ground at your property, so you don't have to be. You can fully trust that when I'm here, uh, that what you're going to come back to is exactly what you want to come back to. Um, it could be the recent retiree, and it's like. You earned your time to do the things you want to enjoy. Let me do the things that I enjoy while you enjoy your time. All of these can kind of be baked in. And, and maybe, maybe you even use that as individual marketing strategies for different neighborhoods that you're in, right? Uh, say, say you go into one and you know, like here in Knoxville, we have a place way out in Loudoun County called Teleco Village. And it is a retirement community. And, uh, and you know, every house in there is... A million dollars plus. They're all lakefront properties, and it's very, very well-to-do people. And this is normally one of several houses that they live in through the course of the year. And they're, they're all halfbacks, right? So they have a house in Michigan, they have a house here, and then they have a house in Florida, and they rotate between the three depending on the time of year, right? And uh, and so yeah, you know, again, I, I would have a totally separate marketing message that I went after homes in those neighborhoods for, and it was amazing because you know I had a whole, basically a whole route a badass route that just made monumental amounts of money 
through uh, uh, for a week that I could spend down there and uh, and just not really have to put out a whole lot of effort because they weren't home the majority of the time. And then when they were home, they were so happy with what they came home to because they're there in the spring and the fall for a short period of time when everything's just gangbusters green here. And that, that, you know, all of a sudden it turns into, you know, Hey, you know, do you like wine? I'm like, absolutely. I love wine. You got to try this bottle. I picked it up while I was in South Africa. I think you'll love it. And, like, <laughs> and it's, a, and it, you know, it just became, it was, it was a great experience. Right. And, but I was able to grow that area because I was using specific marketing messages in that particular area to try to hammer in with those people. So something to keep in the back of your mind that, you know, maybe don't do a one size fits all approach, you know? Um, and then the other thing is going to be too, like you may notice that you're going to have success in door hanger with door hangers in certain neighborhoods and not in other neighborhoods, the neighborhoods you're not having success in try something different, try something different, do a different shape door hanger, or just go knock on doors. Take a Saturday. This is a legit thing I used to do when I worked at fairway lawns is we would have neighborhood parties right and what we would do is we would take two trucks park them at the entrance and you have big spray rigs right they look like rolling billboards and we would line flags across either side of the entrance of the subdivision and so there's like 30 flags on either side as you're pulling in just regular lawn flags spray flags right not not like a big 30 foot american flag with a, a bald eagle erection on it but just legitimate spray flags like an application was made here but they were done nice too. And there would be, you know, 15 of them on each side. And as you're pulling in, you've got the, a line of flags and then there's two fairway launch trucks, right? And people are coming, going out of the neighborhood. And literally one person would start on one side of the neighborhood and the other person would start on the other side of the neighborhood. And we would knock doors and we would say, Hey, we're having a special for your neighborhood, your neighborhood alone. We're small business. We just started up. We want to grow this specific area. I like the location of your house where you're at right now. I'll give you a discount because you're right here at the entrance of the subdivision on your first application if you sign up for my A package or B package or C package. And it's only going to be good for today. Already, I've got a guy on the other side of the neighborhood that's already signed up. If you want to validate my work, you can go check it out and take a look at it. And I think if you get started with me today, you're going to be really impressed with what we're able to do. And again, because you're at the start of the neighborhood, I want to give you a discount. And you may be offering that discount to everybody down the way, and it doesn't matter. But the point is, is you're trying to make headway. You're putting on a big dog and pony show. You're putting on a production, and it gets everybody excited, right? And it's like, oh, shit, man. This guy's fucking after. He's hungry kind of sort of deal. And it's those times. And what's weird is that when we would do that and door knock, you know, the number of people that were like, get the fuck off my property was, would, would be like one out of 100. You may knock on 115 doors that day and literally only one would be like, you know, eat a dick, asshole, get the fuck out of here versus, and I'll give you the, the, the opposite end of the spectrum is that, you know, at True Green during the winter, when as part of my job, I had to go knock on doors, right? Um, and you're out there and you're just pounding pavement, knocking on doors. It was the other way around. It was 80 out of a hundred that you knocked on was like, get the fuck off my property. You asshole. You look like a gorilla. Everybody hates you. My neighbors hate you. I hate you. I hate your parents because they had you to have you fucking knock on my door. And it's like, man, this is so degrading. And you're just knocking and, and you know, then when they come to the door and you're in the back of your head, you're like, please God, just don't come to the door. Please God, don't come to the door. And then they're opening the door and you're like, oh, fucking you're like deer in the headlights <laughs> when they finally get there. And you're like, hey, my name is Matt. I'm with True Green. I love to take care of your property today. Please don't yell at me. And I'm like, all right, pussy, shut the fuck up and get off my fucking porch. You're like, God, man, another one. Another one. I did it again. Case in point, 
switch up your strategies <laughs> if you're they're not responding to one and and say and you know I am a big believer that of the rule of, of being seen seven times right say you door hang it twice and you're not getting any fucking traction out of it switch it up switch it up do a different door hanger do do uh, do do a door knocking do an EDDM in that particular mail code, you know, I think your smallest EDDM run is going to be what, 100, 100 mailers or whatever. So it may extend beyond that neighborhood, but at least it'll be that postal carrier route. And so you're sure that everyone in there is going to get a postcard. Maybe then you get two responses out of it. And that's a 2% response on 100, on 100 flyers, right? That's not terrible. But then you gave them the, you give them the same speech. Like, look, I'm really dying to make headway into this neighborhood. Are you close to anyone in this neighborhood? that you would feel comfortable sharing their contact information that I could talk to about getting them set up because the proximity to here, this is what's going to allow me to succeed as a small business. And I'd love to build route density right here. Just have a real honest, frank conversation with them about it kind of sort of deal. Right. And I'll give you a referral credit if you do it. I would just be so appreciative. So yeah, absolutely. Again, we do the referral. Go ahead. Keep going. We do the referral credits as well as one thing that was important to me is obviously having that, you know, professional look too. So we, we uh, wrap their van so it's it's nice and colorful so everyone sees us yes. coming in the neighborhood for sure. So, yeah. The, the, the branding consistency is such an important piece, right? And that was like a hard thing to learn for me. Um, everything look the same or at least have the same style, the same flair, the same insignia, logos, whatever it is, color schemes, however it is you do it. It has to be uniform across so that way it becomes recognizable as part of you, right? And they may not even be aware that you're seeing you, but when that one piece of marketing does get there, there's a familiarity because they've seen it in the periphery X number of times. And they're like, swear to Christ, I've seen that before. I should probably call that guy and see what the fuck he's up to. And then you get out there, you're a fucking professional, right? And you're put together well, and you, and you articulate exactly what you're going to do, exactly what you offer. And maybe hit them up for a referral while you're there because you want to grow in this neighborhood. And, uh, and they're going to be like, shit, man, fuck, that was a good choice. I'm glad I decided to call that guy. So um, I'm, I'm rambling on about this because it's, it's all shit I learned the hard way, right? Like, um, and and it's, it's, it's easy to get, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, burnt out, I guess with with the nose and uh marketing strategies that don't perform well um but you you can't you can't let that creep into your brain and lead you to a situation where you just stop discouraged lushy said 100 percent correctly you can't let that discourage you from stopping your marketing right you just have to become more creative about how you do it and man i'm gonna go ahead and put this out there I, 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 what, what time did I text the auto GPT to you last night? Uh, J pink. What time was that? Was that one in the morning? Yeah, it was super late. It was, was ridiculous. I was even in bed already. Oh, uh, I, and like I had been asleep. I went to sleep at like 1030. I woke up <sighs> at 1215. Like I was, I was actually going to get ready for work and I decided to see what time it was. Cause I didn't remember my alarm going off. 1241. I was like, I was like, it's 12? What in the fuck is going on? And I was like, well, before I close my eyes again, I'm just going to open up Twitter and see what I see. And the first thing I saw was <laughs> auto GPT, which 
is, you know, you've got chat GPT 4.0, right? Which, you know, if you haven't seen that on the news, you know, look into it. It's, it's cool. Auto GPT is kind of like the next level, right? Where um, coders are already working different types of scripts and stuff to be able to do a lot of the things in your business that you don't currently do or that you may have to pay someone to do, right? And it can be something as simple as, you know, telling it. And it, I, I tell you what, can we send him this, the link to this thread right here? Because I think this thread is probably yeah. one of the most valuable threads that I've read in a long time and go through everything, literally go through everything. And what you will see is that any kind of marketing message you want to put together, it will do it for you, literally. And you have to give it a couple prerequisites to look for, and it will put that together for you. And maybe you have to change 10 words out of the, the, the 50 that it picks. And you can tell it to be concise. You can tell it to appeal to young people. You can tell it to appeal to old people, to retirees, to frequent travelers, or whatever the case. And it'll script it all for you. And you can read it and see if it sounds good to you. One thing to keep in the back of your mind is that if it sounds cool to you, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll sound cool to a customer. So cross-reference it with someone who's not interested in grass and ask them, does this make you interested in grass when you hear this? Because it may sound really cool to you, right? Like, what, Lushy, what was the, what was the one? Uh, greener, cleaner, smarter lawn care. I fucking love that. I thought that was the most brilliant thing I had ever come up with in my entire life. And I put it on everything. And no one fucking thought it was cool but me and other spray guys. That's it. That's it. I, I would ask customers, what do you think about that? And they're like, I have no idea what it means. What does that even mean? I'm like, damn it. Son of a bitch. I thought I, thought I was Einstein. I thought I, I thought I was Steve Jobs out here. No. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Greener, cleaner, smarter, lawn care. Like, are you taking me to the laundromat? Is that, is that why it's clean? I don't get it. Like, no, you don't have any fucking weeds. It's clean. And they're like, is that, is that slang? And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, it is. It is slang. Over people's heads, Matt. Yeah. Over people's heads. That's, that's, that's what it is, is that, uh, you know, I tend to go the opposite way and I knock off all the buzzwords, all the flash. And stick to what works and produce the results. And part of producing the results includes not doing what everybody else does and more of it and expecting better results. And well, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, and the, Matt touched on a very important point in that when you start to deal with higher value properties, I can tell you from experience that these high value properties like the fact that they give the key or the combination to the alarm to the person that's actually going to be entering their property. Because you see, Josh, I deal with those kind of properties, actually, where I, I punch a code or I, uh, or I have to unlock gates to get in. And think, of it, and th think about that. Like, think about it if it's you. And you're hiring someone to do something at your house. and 
you normally leave your back door unlocked for whatever reason you have. You know, your back door stays unlocked. And you give a contractor the key to get into your backyard. And that means mm-hmm. at their leisure, whenever they show up, and they don't, you don't necessarily know when they're going to show up because maybe they're a service contractor that just works on your pool or whatever. You never know when they're going to show up. They're on their, on their schedule. You just know that they're going to be there to take care of your pool X number of times a year. And you have to look that person in the eye and make the judgment call that can I trust this person with the key basically to the inside of my house that they're not going to come in, take anything from me, hurt anyone in my family, do their job where they're supposed to do it, the way they're supposed to do it and get the fuck off my property. And I'm going to feel good about it. It's a, it's a, if, I think, I think approaching it, I think even approaching marketing from that way is so important, especially today in the weirdness of the climate that we're in right now. Uh, whether, whether it's, it's, it's people that have fled to smaller cities from big cities, uh, people that are moving out into, into suburbs to get away from city life, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I don't think anybody is, uh, anybody that ingests any sort of news, whether that come from social media or whatever, and, and, and you may not even have increased crime in your area, but I swear to God, every news organization in America right now is going to, is going to make it seem like it is legitimately the end of the world with the amount of craziness that is fucking going on in your backyard. And it's always going to come across that way. Like if I just read the news, I would think the homicide rate in Knoxville right now has surpassed Memphis three times over. It hasn't. It's one-tenth of what it is in Memphis where I grew up. I've never experienced crime here to the degree that I did in Memphis. I got shot in Memphis. I've never been shot in fucking Knoxville. But when I read the local news here, it feels like I, I, sometimes I don't even want to go downtown. I don't even want to go downtown. I'm scared shitless of what's going to go on out there. And, you know, I holster a big giant 10 millimeter to go for a fucking walk just because I'm wigged the fuck out because I read the news that day, right? I'm not alone in this. You may not pack a 10 millimeter to go for a tour downtown. You know, everybody has their, their vices, right? Mine used to be cocaine. Now it's carrying a t- I'm just kidding. But I, it was, that was, that was a joke. <laughs> was, I wanted to make Demay laugh and he, and I, I succeeded. My point is, my point is, is that I, I don't think it's deniable that safety is on everyone's mind. And what can you do as a business to, put that forward uh, because I think that, that it, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a method of growth that other people may not be tapping into that you can, you can sell up just like a new side thing, right? You couple, you couple, you're a new side, you're a new home specialist, you're a new build, you're a new development specialist that specializes in maintaining the safety of your property while I'm fucking on it too. Now you, you double niched, right? You're appealing to two different types of people in two different types of way with with degrees of of specialty that it, it, it may not, well, the person may be like, well, I mean, my yard's been signed for three years and I, maybe that's not the newest, but uh, I do the safety aspect does appeal to me. So, you know, let's, let's call this guy. I don't know. I'm spitballing just different ideas to get your fucking wheels turning because there's so many different ways to go about it. And gro- growth. Yeah. The, the marketing aspect of growth is one piece of it. The infrastructure piece of it. You said you've got a guy that's helping you out right now. And I hear, I heard the apprehension of your voice of how do you maintain the quality between those 
variations of who's going to be on the line just based on timing or whatever. <laughs> my, you're not going to like what I have to say. Um, my recommendation would not be to hire someone to help take the load off of you out of the field. My first hire would be to hire someone to take the load off of you out of the office. Or, or you hire someone now to be you in the field and you completely get the fuck out of the field and you become the office specialist. You become the business specialist and they become the turf grass specialist. Either or, however you want to go about that. And it could change in three years. And so for the first three years, you may have an office specialist. They become a master of software. They become a master of copywriting. They become a master of answering the phone and having a smile on their face. And you get out there and you do what you enjoy doing at this particular point. And at this particular point, it may be making shit turn holy hell shades of green, right? And, and if, if that's what really gets you standing up tall in the morning, then maybe that first hire is, is going to be finding some check who's going to answer the phone with a gigantic smile on her face. And when the person on the other end of the phone is like, whoever was just on my yard, I'm actually going to choke them to death. The lady is going to be so sweet to them on the phone that they're like, you know what? <laughs> I was going to choke them to death. And I'm so embarrassed with how I answered the phone. I'm going to ask you to choke me to death because I am so sorry that I did that. <laughs> and I was wrong for doing that. That kind of person in the office is invaluable. It is invaluable. And if you like being out in the field, there is no more important hire than that to sustain growth because you cannot do both of those. Cannot. As you want to scale your business, as you want to take on new clients, you've got this badass marketing message. It's starting to convert convert for you, but how the fuck am I going to be 40 miles apart at the same time on the same day when I've got two people who want to see me there? I can't do two properties in a day. And if I did only those two properties, I'm going to make a hundred bucks on the day that does not cover my nut. I'm not going to be profitable. It's not going to work. So as you're transitioning to full-time and you're really thinking about that first full-time hire, and it may not be right now, and you may have to just do what you do with a little bit of help on the side for the time being, and that's okay. And I'm talking about when you're committed, when you are 100% committed and you've got to make that first hire, pick your poison. It can either be you in the field or it can be you in the office. You can't be both of them. Does not fucking work. Oh, oh, okay. I have, I want to change this up because this has been fucking deep and, oh, do it. Anyway, do it. Change it up. What, what was it in the turfology episode that got you to be like, oh, that, like, what was the light bulb moment? I'm not like asking you to like stroke our egos or anything. It's more of like, it's about you right now. So, what was it that caused you to reach out? Can you hear me now? I was freezing up there yeah. for a minute, so I had to re You're restart. Good. Am I good to go? Okay. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, you know, yeah, mainly it was just knowing that that's where I'd been last year on the whole biosolids kick and just seeing the difference and just watching, you know, just listening to the whole different types of nitrogen sources and trying to get more of a, a handle on, you know, just using urea, for instance. So really, 
hearing you talk about the ammonium sulfate and you know these different nitrogen sources, that's really what got the, the wheels turning. Uh, you know, if I can get better results than just doing what you know most everyone else does and just go buy whatever analysis that you know the the turf supply company is selling at that point, um, and you know be able to mix everything myself and, and be able to control that you know certain different times of the year. That's what really started getting my my wheels to turn. Well, and I think that's something too is uh, you know the. Having a solid program, like I, it, it would be hard. And this is the point that we were trying to make with, uh, with Mike, and um, uh, yeah, about about uh, what we were talking about in that episode. Sorry, there, I I had five different ideas pop in my head at once there, but um, I think the point there was that you know if you go with a a basic program in terms of and, and basics should not be looked upon as you know, uh, less than, you know, uh, using some high end, um, you know, coded prill and all that kind of stuff. Like it's a different way of managing, you know, it's, and I think the whole point that we said was that even in the worst case scenario, like if there's a lawn that somebody's not happy, you know, you're out like, I don't know, like it was like a dollar 75, a thousand or something like that to go out and put a half pound down, you know? peanuts as far as a callback if somebody's like hey this isn't working versus if you've got something that's you know twice that amount right in terms of an investment on the ground and people aren't seeing results well then what do you do right Right. and i'm not saying that you wouldn't see those results but i think in new lawns i think in sod i think there's there's a regression that typically takes place especially with the saw that's used in new home builds and i know specifically around here i could i could show you plenty of examples of um you know sod that's not very well taken care of it looks great year one and two and then just takes a nosedive um up thereafter so all that being said i, I just i was curious about the, the trophology episode and what made that difference i think some of the things that matt touched on with the marketing piece are important um but really i guess it's it's this is you know it's the customer service aspect you know, there's only so much, the, the, the best you're going to do, right. Is you always have to have new customers. You're always going to churn, but there's going to be a core group of customers that literally fuels 80% of your growth, right? They're going to be the rock solid ones that you continue to add more and more and more of those clients. Those a, those top level clients that are pay on time that have reasonable expectations that you can talk to and have a relationship and say, Oh, Hey, how are the kids? Right? Like stuff like that, that makes you really hard to fire. Right. And the whole point there is that, you know, you need as many of those people in your business. And I would look at this, you know, especially early on, um, being is still, you're still small enough. You still have a full-time job. You don't have to say yes to everybody. I think, I think the thing you need to convince convince yourself of now is that it's okay to say no. It's okay to know who fits into the box and be able to say, I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to work out. And quite honestly, have some people in your back pocket that you say, Hey, listen, I know that, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so might be a better fit. You know, it's it, that goes a longer way than just being like, you know, peace, fuck y'all of being the reverse of the person that Matt walked up to their front door and was greeted with a Remington, you know, but uh, that, that piece right there, I think that is going <laughs> to help you grow your business a lot further, a lot faster. If you're able to do that and don't get yourself going in a whole bunch of different directions and we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure Ray has done this. I'm sure Matt's done this. It look, it's yep. shiny object syndrome. It's, oh my gosh, yes. if I don't take this one 
shitbag customer who I, I, I already sized up as a person and was like, ugh, this guy, but yeah, he's going to pay me X or, or, or the lawn's worth this you know and what? it could lead to more business yeah. or I'm going to mm-hmm, give him mm-hmm. that discount because he says he's got six friends that will sign up if I give him a discount. Nope. Okay. You know, what on the, you, know what, you know what on the friends thing? Here's what I figured out over the years too. The friends thing can, can work both ways because I recently remember telling somebody, you know what? I don't give a fuck about your friends. In fact, you have to call me up and I'm going to tell them so to their face. All right. See, I thought this was going to go a different direction. I thought this was going to be like, instead of Matt, you know, having the party at the neighborhood, I thought Ray was going to be sitting there outside the swingers club, handing out, you know, uh, prophylactics and personal lubricants and saying, and by nope. the way, we're running a special right now on your eight step lawn program, you know, <laughs> tell your friends inside and out. No, no, because here's the thing is that what I figured out is that birds of the feather flock together. So if somebody is together or flock, 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 flock together. I missed missed a a consonant. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, so if they're, how shall I say, you know, entitled, impossible to, to please and overall insufferable, chances are. Their friends are the same way. Otherwise, how can they stand each other? <laughs> okay, so okay. let's get back to the program because yeah. I think that's what Josh came here yeah. for. I want to make program. sure that he gets yeah. what he needs. And mm-hmm. we've hit on a lot of other uh, qualitative type things that are outside the scope of the agronomic program. Here's okay. Here's what I can tell you. This is the backstop to all this, Josh, is that good agronomics, sound observations, right, and good uh good preparation and that goes in terms of yourself your business your infrastructure but also you know preparing your customers hey guess what it's going to be you know 77 degrees you know for the uh, nighttime low for the next three days you know (laughs) please shut off your irrigation systems and don't water even though it's hot the grass will not die please don't water because it's only going to make it worse right things like that make a huge difference those touch points and every way that you can create one uh it could be a social media post it could be a quick email uh, I know that some of the guys are asking, which, which CRM do you use? Do you have one in place right now as far as? Real green? Okay. Real green. Okay. Oh, shit! He's going all in right from the get-go. <laughs> you know, and right. look, I yeah. am not, I, I am, I, good. I love real green. When I was at Fairway, I was a real green junkie. And I, I tried to do the service autopilot thing. And, you know, I, again, what, what I came to realize was that having someone in the office do software full-time was like the difference between enjoying it and not enjoying it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I sat down with multiple vendors, and they were just what worked best for me and fit best for me. So it, it so far, it's worked out. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to your point, Ryan, there about yeah, communication, I think that's truly what, what makes the difference is just having that, that clear communication between customers. And I think that's the biggest barrier in the lawn care industry that, that I've seen so far is just, you know, having that, that line of communication with, with customers. Cause you know, it, it is challenging. You know, if you're just constantly sending out email blasts, you know, people who aren't always reading emails and such, you know, people don't always read newsletters, but you know, trying to, to have that, that open line of communication is, is certainly, certainly helps the cause. Uh, you know, and I know it gets tougher as you scale and you get bigger and everything like that, but you know, in completely different 
scale and scope of what I do versus what you do and, and everybody else here that's listening or watching or whatever. But, you know, one thing I'm big on is I will take a video, you know, if I'm on a property, it might be someplace I only get to once every six weeks, two months, something like that, that I'm not there for a while. I'll kind of look around. I'll do my, my whole run through. And then at the end, I'll just kind of do a quick 60 second or less. Like I'm literally timing myself to make sure I don't go over that. And I'm just going to give you, Hey, here's what I see, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then here's some things we should look ahead for. Here's some opportunities that I see to, Hey, you know, this, this spot over here that, you know, the dogs all roached up by the gate. Uh, you know, we should probably sod that here coming into fall, you know, at a time it's a little bit easier for you to take care of and not have to water it all the time, even though it's June right now, it's just something to keep in mind. And we'll look to doing that later on. Boom. I'm not only thinking about, you know, what is going on right now, but I'm trying to plan ahead and show you the vision and how we help realize that vision. And it's a super small piece of somebody's property in their, in their home and everything like that. But I do think that that aspect of a touch point and again, not just being a service provider, you know, somebody who shows up, does a task, sends a bill and, you know, says, fuck y'all. We'll see you later in six weeks. Don't be that right. You become more and more indispensable. Yeah, yeah, you become more and more indispensable, right, and less of a commodity, and that is really the difference, right? So, the 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 trick is, is what Matt is describe, describing here is scale, right? Like, how do you, you know? So, what I would say, and again, this is it's a little bit abstract, a little bit different, but you know, learn how to say no, number one, but also two, you already have real green, you have a great foundation from a from a software standpoint, but Think about systems. Think about, think about the simplest way to teach somebody how to do a task, right? And think about the simplest way for it to be repeatable at every step of the way. I know uh, there's been a couple of times, uh, well, Matt was talking about during, during the turfology episode. I thought that was a great point. Um, but it, it, the more that you document that and, you know, uh, so, something, I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on here or not, Um one thing I do now, you're talking about like life hacks and Matt's talking about office people and things like that. So I have a, a, a virtual assistant that I use sometimes uh, for varying things and stuff like that. It's a person that lives in New York City, never seen the guy in person in my entire life, but I will, for uh, SOPs, I will call him up when I'm driving somewhere and be like, hey, Paul, we're going to riff for a half an hour and I'm just going to brain dump you our SOP for this, a growing of a cool season, you know, seeded field. And you're going to type it out in layman's terms and show it to me. And then I'm going to do the chat GPT thing and let you edit it down and I'll edit it down. And let me tell you what, I'm sitting in the car for half an hour anyway. I got nothing better to do. Number two, he sends it to me the next day and it's like damn near perfect. I might have 5% that I need to touch up to it. And once we've gotten in rhythm and I'll tell you what, I could just take that, put it in the binder, take that, put it in the binder. And those types of things, I've done the same things with like, with like fiber. You know, some of these for like marketing material, for instance, Yeah. you know, 25, 30 bucks, unlimited revisions, you know, put something together real quick. Here's my ideal. They'll send something, put all the graphic design together and I might send it over once or twice. Hey, just change this up. And then it just saves me a whole lot of time. Right? Ray leaves glossy eight by 10 photos of him shirtless in mailboxes. That's usually all he has to do. It's a little different why. It's yeah, I was yes gonna say, no. I mean, in a land of Tom Selleck with chest hair, Ray is the anti Hawaii right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but uh, so, 
the, fa- the fact of the matter is, though, is when we talk about scaling too, you need to ask yourself another key question is, do you want 500,000 customers and yet your take-home pay is barely enough to make ends meet? Or do you want <laughs> fewer customers, but you live a comfortable life and you do whatever the hell you want when you want to? I mean, that's, that's the key question because you see every single lawn person we've talked to always wants more and more and more, you know, more customers, more employees, you know, more vehicles, more equipment. But then at the end of the day, how much of that actually comes back to you? Well, right. How much of that actually comes back to you? And, and so that, that's why you got to kind of ask yourself, yeah, how much, and then related to those, to those customers, you want the type of customer that does not look at lawn care as a mere commodity. You know, I would say that if that, if you want that type of uh, person, you yourself need to stop treating lawn care as a commodity as well. And I think you are kind of on your way sort of there. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you're already thinking about alternate programs and not doing what everybody else is doing. Because, and, and I'm going to tell you one more thing, is that if you are not doing what everybody else is doing, then corollaries to that are, one, you don't cost what everybody else does, and two, you are not going after the same kind of clientele that everybody else is going after either. Yeah, and I, 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 that's what I'm saying, is I think that piece alone, just on the marketing, is just fucking hammer down on that one piece. And you can, you know, depending on how far you want to go from home, you know, and, and where your business is, there's ample opportunity to just hit on that piece alone and have a very, very sustainable business. And the other two things I would say is, uh, you know, as Ray was talking about, lifestyle is important, you know, and, and, you know, you'll hear all the, all the business gurus and coaches and everything like that say, you know, Hey, do you want to own a job or do you want to own a business? And, and it's true. You have to think about that as you scale up and like what Matt was saying, make those decisions about those first hires, what that looks like. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience on that side of it is that whenever you go to do it, you will be fearful. You'll be everything. And then there'll be like about two weeks to go by and you'll be like, geez, you're a fucking idiot. You should have done this like six months ago. Like you're such a moron, you know, and, and that'll happen when you go to exit and when you, you know, you move on. And yeah, there's scary times and all that kind of stuff, but you've got to think about that. The other thing too is, you know, if, if there is an exit strategy, right, what is it, you know, what are your options and how do you build towards that? And if the, you know, there's the possibility that, Hey, someday I might sell this, right. Uh, you stand to get a hell of a lot more money if you have systems in place, you have trained employees in place, key employees, things like that, 
as opposed to, well, I'm going to sell, you know, these, you know, thousand customers to True Green and, and, you know, yeah, I'll get paid, but it's not, it's pennies on the dollar, what you could make if you sold an actual functioning business to somebody to take over and keep running. Right. So consider that as you, as you start to grow and build and everything like that, because it is, and I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going through some of this right now in my own business is like, it is tough to wind the string back up on some of those things, right. That you didn't think, ah, you know, I won't ever do that or get into that. And then, well, shit, here you are. It's like, well, I wish I would have, you know, been a little bit more thoughtful and uh, intentional about some of those things. But I mean, that's just, it's the crazy, uh, the craziness of uh, business ownership and all that kind of stuff. Now back to the agronomic piece. Okay. Um, I think, you know, your suppliers are fine. I think that's going to save you a a good bit of money. I think you need to maintain a, a positive relationship with all of them. I don't like, you know, they need to know that you're price shopping. And I think Matt might have said that in that episode, too, that, you know, uh, Matt is definitely a, um, you know, turn you on the spit and every 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 now and again, get you real close to the fire. And then, you know, he'll turn the crank and he'll get you back away from the fire a little bit. And then when he thinks you're getting a little too, you know, a little too nosy, a little too heavy handed on the price, he's going to he's going to bring you back towards the coals. That's just the way he is. So. I think that's important that, that, you know, you keep everybody honest and I can't stress this enough. And I think this is what you're trying to do here. And it's not going to happen in one episode. I promise you that. Um, But, you know, uh, to be able to have the the leverage and the power to go into those sales reps and say, (laughs) this is what I, this is what I need, you know, that's, that's powerful stuff. And that's, you know, that's something that comes with experience. That's not, that's something that comes with evaluating the products. I think I see a lot of people make those mistakes of, uh, not truly evaluating how successful their programs are. Right. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that, you know, from a, from a fertilizer perspective, from a, you know, herbicide, those are, you know, those are bread and butter for any, you know, any lawn care company in the country is how well do you really know how well that stuff is working you know um some people are on their properties more than others right and in your case with the smaller being a smaller company and you being a little bit closer to the front lines that helps but you know again systems wise you know how do you build out those systems what is you know a proper audit cycle for you to go out and check hey i'm going to go on this route i'm going to check five lawns right i mean that's a a very consistent repeatable goal that you can have and just say, hey, I'm going to take one day, I'm going to check one route, and I'm going to check five random lawns and just go from there. So, um, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, on the new lawn front is, you know, once you kind of master that whole new sod thing, I I think there's, I I personally, at least in this market, and it's nice that you're from here because I can speak very specifically to this market, there is a huge market for, um just the sod install piece. I think that, um, you know, there's some, there's some companies that will self-perform and do some of that of their own on, on the sod farm side. But for the most part, uh, I think if somebody is really good and talented at it in certain areas, right. Of the city, you know, more wealthy areas, you could definitely clean up and, and uh, do well there. And again, just advertising that as being, Hey, we're new lawn specialists. Not only do we maintain and grow in and establish, you know, your healthy new sod and make sure it's a, you know, a vigorous lawn, but we'll also do the install too. And there's a really, uh, nice margin that's involved in doing that kind of stuff. Also, 
um, you know, grading, fixing, you know, fixing areas that, you know, maybe it's not the entire lawn, but we're going to sod a portion of the lawn because it's beat up, whatever the case might be. Um, there's, there's a lot of that type of work, I think. And it's an opportunity for you to pull other parts of the business in. Hey, you know, we're going to sod this for you, but who does your applications? Can we talk about that? Right. Who does your pest control? Can we talk about that? And I think it's just another way to get out there. Now it's labor intensive and you need some dudes and that's going to, you know, cost some bucks and requires some investment on the equipment side and things like that. But from a, from a spray and fur standpoint, oh, there you go. Uh, from a spray and fur standpoint, I guess, what are your biggest questions right now? We've talked a lot. I want to make sure that we get to your questions and hear you out. Oh, we got to go over round five yeah. and six. We, we, we have, well, we, that's what we I want. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ending it. I'm not ending it. I just want to know right. like specifically within five and six, let's start there specifically within five and six. What you, you mentioned with five that you want to bump up the amount of end that goes out. That's a mid August start for you to get stuff out there yeah. and you want to spray all Mid August would be the, would be the earliest, you know, first of September okay. is probably more realistic. For, for round five. And you want to spray all that? Well, just because I like to, I do like to mix in, you know, a, a herbicide. Um, so I would prefer to do it all in one pass. No, I'm going to, I'm going to go ass backwards on this. I'm going to say leave okay. round five, the herbicide out, spot spray, round six, blanket spray. So round five, granular spot spray, round six, uh, you can, you can blanket spray it. Um, because even though it's October, that's late enough. That's cool enough. That's, per that's, that's perfect. It, you still have decent okay. enough temperatures that you can, you can do your blanket fall spray then. It's actually what I would tell you is to be efficient. Forget about your weeds in August. Forget about it. Just focus on they're getting hard, the freaking. They're hard yeah, enough. Just, yeah. Just get the damn nitrogen down. And then come late September, October, that's when you go ham on the weeds because you know when you, know you have cooler temperatures, that is when you can put down as much as 32 ounces per acre of triclopyr and not kill the neighborhood and not kill the grass and still kill the weeds. How's about that? But then the key is don't do that while it is still hot please don't just please don't okay <laughs> so it's all a matter of doing the right things at the right time and it also becomes a case of education where you got to tell people this is not the right time of the year to be doing this uh a few months from now yes Absolutely. And then by doing that, you then also take or are able to take ownership for results. And so you can tell people, hey, I'm going to do things at the correct times with the right products. I'll own the results. And it's not going to be a revolving door where they are telling you what to do. Because you see, that's the other part of, about having a business like this is I don't ever, and I repeat, ever let anybody 
tell me when to do something or how to do it. That don't happen. Okay? That does not happen. Very domineering of you. I like that. Well, uh, that's, no. that's, that's just how, so that's just how am, it has to be. Yeah. Go ahead. So, go ahead. So I am curious. About, I know I've heard you guys talk a lot about soil testing. And that's not something mm-hmm. that I have implemented in the program, um, except, you know, in extreme circumstances, you know, as needed, essentially. Um, is that something for this area you would recommend on a yearly basis? Or, I mean, no, it seems a little overkill. I don't think no, it's that's an overkill. Okay. I think in this area, go ahead, Ray, you go first. Okay, the time that I would be pulling a soil test is on a new sod install. That's number one. Number two would be is if a lawn were reseeded. I am less concerned about lawns that for example they're growing well they respond well to a normal fertilizer program and they're acceptably green and dense those are the lawns that i wouldn't worry about soil testing for but uh the, the three cases where i would are again new sod recently seeded or lawns that are not performing in spite of them being on what's supposedly an adequate program. Those are my red flags with regards to soil testing, but anything else where if the grass is growing fine, then I don't immediately run to go take the soil test. Yeah. But then if, for example, I have an instance where it's a new install, new sod, new seed, or if I'm running into a lawn that nobody else can make that grass grow, then you better believe it. I'm going to be drawing the soil test. I hope that answers your question, you know, better. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I I would say from a, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead. I was going to go to another topic, so go ahead. Well, all I, all I was all I was gonna say is, one uh, once every couple of two three years is fine. That's no big deal. I think what you're gonna find in most new builds here is that uh, the soil is absolute dog shit. I mean, like <laughs> I, I have a couple. There's a couple of large uh, seeding and sodding contractors that we consult for here in the area, and we get all their soil tests. And I can tell you, garbage. Right. So. I think that's something that, again, from a differentiation standpoint, you can come in and say, hey, listen, because we understand new yards, we understand that there's usually a lot of challenges with these soils, and we take it a step further by doing a soil test as part of our initial thing. And you can do, I don't know if you know uh, how long you've been following the show, but Lushy, Lush Lons, he's coming on here in a few weeks. He actually called me today, or texted me today, the gentleman, wants to do a little pre-prep for the pre-show. He wants to talk to me first. He's like, he's really preparing hard for this. It's like, an NFL game and he's going in like to the the coaching booth and he's going to sit down and talk to us pretty serious. But his whole thing is, I can't remember what he charges, 60 bucks, 75 bucks, something like that. Basically it's a paid consultation. And then what his whole point is, is that just like, you you know, he's got a day job too. It gets rid of all the tire kickers real quick. It's a qualification tool to basically say, listen, if you're serious about this, 
you'll want me to understand everything that's going on. And part of that is, you know, you're using my experience, my knowledge, my skills, right, to discern a plan for you. If you want me to just give you the soil test and my two cents and I walk away and you give that to True Green and let them do whatever they're going to do, hey, great, that's <laughs> fine. I need my 60 bucks or 75 bucks, whatever it is. You know, they've got skin in the game, though, at that point. Um, so you can do it different ways. Obviously, you can offer incentives and, you know, discounts in other areas if they do that. And, you know, hey, you get the soil test and then, you know, we'll do the first app for whatever, you know, 45 bucks or something like that. Who knows? But there's different ways I think you could pull people in and show them that you understand the challenges that they're facing. And not only do you understand it at a macro level, you're willing to, you know, go down and, and do a soil test and try to figure out exactly what's going on. But all that being said, you're going to need a lot of P, you need a lot of N, and OM, organic matter, is anywhere from under one to maybe two, and it's really, really silty clay soil. It's, it's garbage stuff. So uh, it's tough time. And another thing I think that's undersold, too, is just you know water management, is helping folks understand how to water that sod, because that in and of itself in the first year or two is going to make or break how good your program looks or doesn't. So keep that in mind too. Yeah. You can, All right. Okay. And speaking of, Go ahead. speaking of water management, how hard is it for you on the lawns that are irrigated to actually manage their irrigation? Reason why I ask is because I have a policy regarding irrigated lawns. <laughs> Can't wait to hear this. Touch that control. I'll cut your fucking hands off. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I need access to that controller. I'm the one that runs this controller because people going in there and programming in wackadoodle schedules like, uh, <sighs> this lawn water is 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day. That's not going to work. Uh, the grass is going to die, and then it's going to look like it's my fucking fault, and that's not happening. And so, you know, that's something else. And the reason why I ask about how hard is it for you to get into managing the irrigation is because I know there are certain states where there's a lot of gatekeeping where I know in some states you can't even touch an irrigation system unless you have a, a special license from the state. And even then, the people with that special Texas. license, uh, yeah, they've got damn rocks in their head. They're a bunch of idiots. All right. So moving on, Josh, <laughs> we had another wait, topic. Wait, Go for yeah, it. Yeah, what, oh, wait, what, what? What? Well, I was just, oh. I'm just curious about some of these uh, nitrogen stabilizers and either mm -hmm. some literature you can point me to or a, a brief. You know, synopsis of is is it better to, to stabilize you know your nitrogen you know with a separate product or just go for an already stabilized uh, nitrogen you know so if you want to save like money max or a U flex you know yep, um, yep. if you like want to save money you can get nitrogen stabilizer concentrate and just add it to your tank and it's the exact same thing as is dissolving U max or U flex uh, the differences between U max and U flex is going to be the rate right the concentrations that actually go into it right so it was gonna more, be a higher degree of concentration. more stabilizer yeah yeah and more then stabilizer and what you're looking max. for is two uh you're looking for dcd which is diacinamide and then the other one is mbpt in butyl thiophosphoric 
phosphoramide, yes. Yeah, and phosphoramide. Phosphoramide. And, uh, and, uh, and which, which one is it, Ray? Is it NBPT that has the effect on urease and DCD has the effect on ammonia? Uh, 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 ammonia? Which, which one is which? Actually, or or uh, nitrification, have, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, actually, the nitrification, I believe, is the NBPT. NBPT, that, yeah. Yeah, that one. And then the DCD is just the urease inhibitor. And personally, unless you're going through a lot, and I mean a lot of stabilized N, I personally have no trouble with just getting a pallet of Umax. And let me tell you something else about Umax. Umax has such a high load of the nitrification and urease inhibitors that I find that if I combine Umax plus ammonium sulfate, I get this nitrogen formulation that will literally hold nitrogen in grass for a good five to six weeks easy. And that's just from the stabilizers, the stabilizer load present in the UMAX already. So you know what you were saying about tenth of a pound of N from UMAX plus another tenth of a pound from ammonium sulfate? That's something that I routinely use, and it works well. Yeah, I know uh, Lesco has another product out there. Uh, NOS, no, I believe it is. It's, that's yes. DCD. Uh-huh. Just okay. DCD only. But then what you also want is you want the full spectrum of also Especially if you're using ammonium sulfate. Yeah, if you're using ammonium sulfate, because otherwise ammonium sulfate, that can be kind of crazy in that the ammonium sulfate kicks in in less than a week. Grass grows like hell for about three weeks and then it falls flat but then if you have the nitrification inhibitor then you get that extended nitrogen response i mean that's just such a such a beautiful thing and that extended response tends to work irregardless of weather as well so it don't matter how warm it is. It, it still is rather moderated so that you don't get that extreme surge growth. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, uh, because if I were to look at a separate nitrogen stabilizer, I'd look at this product called Hydrex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hydrex is the, that is the product or the package of stabilizers that is impregnated onto the UMAX and the UFlex. It's just that they have it separate and you're supposed to add that to your tank mix as needed. So, but my question is, is how available is this Hydrex even? Because that's like kind of a unicorn product. It's not always readily available 
Yeah, I tried yeah, reaching out to has been in tight. my suppliers, and they said they stopped carrying it. So. Oh, for crazy! It, it yeah. has been in tight supply, um, and you might have to go to a farm or ag place in order to find it. Like the last time we got some, I was only able to get two and a half gallons, and it was like, "What in the world?" And I probably called thirty different vendors before I could wow. find. Uh, just a, a, a stabilizer. Now I could go to mm. manufacturers and buy it by the tote, but you know, I don't, I don't mm. need a thousand tons worth of stabilizer at a time. Right. So <laughs> uh, it didn't behoove me to do that. Um, so it, it can be a little difficult to find, you know, and I think that's where Helena comes in. I think they actually just redid Infix, And, uh, and so, uh, I, Infix may be a little tight right now, but I think it's going to be Infix 2 or whatever. I can't remember what the new name is. Uh, that's that's going to be rolling out. Um, the um, there, There's going to be a couple other things that you see out there, right? So uh, people will try to sell you a nitrogen stabilizer that is going to contain, uh, like for instance, Nutrisphere, right? And you're going to look at the label and what you're looking for specifically is MBPT or DCD. If you see Nutrisphere, you're going to see an active ingredient that is malic idaconic copolymer. Or you may see uh, uh, malic idaconic tripolymer or whatever. And basically, it'll be a polymer of something. Typically, it's, it's of, a, of a, a malic acid, right? So you'll see malic in it, and then you'll see some sort of polymer. Nutrisphere has been tested multiple times, and it does not fucking work at all. None. Zero. In fact, so use, it actually useless. increased the rate of uh, of 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 ureasin, uh, uh nitrogen loss by including it. And and uh, I don't know how it is still out in the marketplace, but it is, and uh, it is a completely worthless product. So when you're looking at these, you know there are certain ones that are going to be put in front of you because they are in tight supply that are just purely not going to work or are targeting one specific aspect and not the spectrum, right? And uh, like, for instance, there's going to be nitrification inhibitors out there that I doubt anybody would put this in front of you, but in in, in perspective, they might, right? Like Centura, which is uh, pronotridine. And it's a nitrification inhibitor. It is not going to have an effect on urea, so not really working in your particular favor there, right? Because pronotridine is a legitimate one, but only on the nitrification side. And it's something that you can throw into Google real quick, check and, uh, and see, is it a nitrification inhibitor or is it a urease inhibitor or does it do both? Um, another one is uh, nitropyrin and uh, uh, Cortiva has instinct. And, uh, and that again, nitrification only. Chances are there's a 99% probability. No one is going to put that in front of you. But I would say there is going to be a higher degree of probability that one of the malic, itonic copolymers or tripolymers are going to be put in front of you and just stay away. If you see Nutrisphere or any of that malic polymer shit, stay the fuck away from it. Again, MBPT, DPD, that's it. And I'm going to give you yet another. I'm going to give you yet another one, another option. If you want to spray your apps, is Urea triazone. Okay, I like I liked urea triazone actually, and the way that I did urea triazone was half of my in came from urea triazone, and the other half came from 
ammonium and nitrate nitrogen. Because the deal with urea triazone is that if you have a urea triazone product where more than 50% of that urea is polymerized, then you're not going to get the immediate nitrogen response out of that product. That product takes time to work in and start releasing its nitrogen. However, it literally releases like an organic fertilizer. So, you know, microbial mineralization, they're going to eat the carbon chains on it. They're going to shit little bits of urea. So you're waiting on that soil microbial it's gonna, interaction. It's going to take a couple weeks for release. It's going to take a couple weeks. Yeah, it's going to take a couple weeks. So, Matt, I always back ended that with actual ammonium and nitrate nitrogen Do in the tank. not mix. <laughs> mix ammonium sulfate with it. Do not mix yeah. ammonium sulfate with it. If you mix oh. methylene urea or triazone urea with ammonium sulfate, you're going to form a layer of plastic sludge in your tank that will be a formidable opponent and you will want to blow your brains out. Uh, so that is going to create an acid-base reaction that will begin to polymerize in your tank and you're going to get solid plastic polymers form in your tank and it is a nightmare. It's fun if you're manufacturing a dry granule because you can polymerize ammonium sulfate and that is cool right you can make slow release <laughs> ammonium sulfate very fucking cool um but as a liquid plastics solids in your spray tanks are not fun at all uh, they're fact, horrible a, a really good friend of mine the other day was putting together a tank mix of methylene urea ammonium sulfate and prodiamine and he had the most vicious yellow uh plastic hockey puck sludge that had formed in his tank that he had ever seen oh, and he was like man i don't know what i did because this is what he did he said I, I i tested it saw it in a jar everything looked good mixed up my tank went out and sprayed halfway through my day everything stopped spraying i came back to the office everything i mixed in that jar what had a solid hockey puck in the bottom of it and uh and and he's like i didn't see the the reaction on the front end but it ended up happening over a course of a couple hours mm -hmm. that's an acid base reaction when you start mis mixing acids with triazone or methylene urea it is going to polymerize and it's going to fall out of solution so it's just something to keep in the back of your head urea Ammonium nitrate, something that's not going to be a strong acidifier, is is good for you in that instance if you want to go that route. Now, your cost per unit of N from triazone urea is going to be expensive, but it is a true slow-release liquid. And uh, triazone and methylene ureas mm -hmm. are the only way to get a true slow-release liquid. Okay, because uh, if you're working with Helena, I know Helena has Coron. Yeah, Helen has Coron. So, you know, the thing about Coron is that I, as I said, I liked Coron because, my goodness, that was the product that could be sprayed out in a tank mix and could give you a six week nitrogen response. It can do it quite well. So that's just something else to consider because the other thing about Coron that I want to kind of alert you to is the fact that Coron at moderate rates in the tank mix is non-burning. So if you wanted to, you could safely apply 
a tank mix containing a half a pound of nitrogen from Coron and two gallons per thousand square foot of carrier and not fry the grass. Oh, you, you can, can do a, that. You can put a full pound down, no problem. Uh, let me, you let me tell it. you this way. If you, <laughs> so as, as someone who has done reactions with triazone urea, like really, really high concentrations of triazone urea, like you can, you can so polymerize that that you can literally spill concentrate on the grass and it will not burn the grass and it will just stay continuously vigorously growing and it's weird mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if yeah, yeah if, okay. if you are in a situation where you need that duration and you're willing to chunk out some bucks on it because say like you want to go on a two-week vacation and you know it's going to be pushing into eight weeks and you just need it then that may be something that you shell out for you know the early people in that round you know, that, that, you know, the first two weeks of that round, they're going to get that because you know, you're going to be gone for two weeks at the end. Well, the apps that you do at the later end of your round, maybe you do your standard stabilized urea, right? But those, those other ones got it because you know, you're not going to be on them again for eight weeks. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, be aware that Helena has two different formulations of Quran. One is a 70% controlled release nitrogen, and the others are only 50%. And for me, my preference was always for the 70. And I would add that to additional, like, non polymerized urea or nitrate nitrogen, for example, and do make a spray application, do what people say spray applications can't do. Because I know the big knock against spray applications is they only last two weeks and then they peter out. That's the, that's the knock. But then that is justified if you're one of those jockeys that are only spraying out small amounts of non-stabilized urea, then your nitrogen from that is going to, you know, peak and then fall real quick. But then if you use stabilized nitrogen or if you use polymerized urea like Coron, then you're talking about something that lasts five, six weeks easy. if not longer, and it also enables you to put down a higher nitrogen load because how would you all feel about three-quarters of a pound of N from Coron during the full blanket spree? Sure. Yeah, I've explored the, the Coron, and I've talked to the Helena about that. Um, I know last year's pricing, it was just, it was a little steep. Um, I haven't got pricing well, this year. I, 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 yeah. I think that's, that reflects the fact that the price of just crude urea hit the roof last year, okay? I mean, that's, that's the fact of the matter is that, and of course, Coron is a product made from urea, so of course they had to just accommodate you know, that increase in the price of the raw material. So you're looking at 
you know, what happens when the raw materials are astronomically high? Yeah, because I've I, seen I, it everywhere from $5 a gallon, $4.75 a gallon, all the way up to eleven fifty a gallon, you know? So, and all bulk, that's going to right? be dictated. Yeah. All that's going to be dictated by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the cost of urea. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, Helen is not known for being one of those companies that's, you know, going to give you a price one day of $5 a gallon and then the next day at $10 a gallon kind of sort of deal. So, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty close to commodity, uh, fair price, whatever gets issued. Now, depending on what they're holding as far as commodity urea that they, you know, like if they made, we'll say 10 million gallons of Coron you know, last year at the peak of urea pricing, and they're still holding on to 2 million gallons of it, then they may not have exhausted that yet. And it's still fetching a really high price right now. Or they may have blown through all of that just because urea was in a crunch period. And, uh, and then, you know, now it's back down to a more reasonable uh, place, but it's, I think it's worth checking out. Um, If you are going to be on it, I was just going to say, if you if you are are sure you're going to be on it in that, uh, especially in the fall, I feel like apps kind of just like roll together real quick. I fly through them. Weather's nice. Uh, you know, it's the end of the season. People aren't asking as many questions. Maybe you get someone that comes out and is like, "Hey, man, let me get the leaves up first or whatever. Can you come back?" You know, and that's that's going to be about the extent of conversations. Um, I feel like my my application timing is always really tight in the fall, and then more spread out in the spring and summer um, than. You know, your cheapest uh, application is is going to be, you know, for for five, you know, using a stabilized source, I think is is good. If you look, your cheapest option is stabilized source. That's good. Uh, but for six, I would not use a stabilizer. I would just use straight mineral AMS or straight mineral urea and be done with it. And in fact, I would use AMS, especially given where you are in the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. I would just spray yep. your ammonium sulfate. Be done with it. Don't add any stabilizers. Save the money. Your your blanket spraying uh, 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 an herbicide there. That's where your extra cost is going. Don't put it into the stabilizer. It's the end of the season. It's cool. Uh, it's it's as protected as it can be because you've got cool weather working on your side. And uh, and and save the bucks and spend it in your herbicide. Yep. And and Josh, one more thing to note in that. Should you do your last round as an ammonium sulfate and triclopyr application, you're kind of getting a two-for-one special because triclopyr is enhanced by being tank mixed with ammonium sulfate. Did you know that? I did not know. So is your normal turf herbicides like three-way those two they are enhanced by that ammonium sulfate nitrogen and so you're getting i guess better weed control and you're getting the last last application of nitrogen down i call that a (laughs) win-win battleship three is 24d free by the way uh that is a helena Mm. product uh, mm-hmm. And it is uh, 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 triclopyr, MCPA, and fluoroxapyr. Great. Broadly, if we can. Oh, that is awesome. Extremely change, effective change, on like button weed, too. Change up, too. Yeah, change up is another one. 
Um, change ups and, another, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, extremely effective on buttonweed and buttonweed is one of the ones that I hated dealing with, you know, so <laughs> a battleship three or change up with, with house, if you're on in your backpack and going around and spot spraying, or, you know, maybe throwing with your house, if you're on another ounce per acre or two ounces per acre of sulfenter zone, just to speed up the house, if you're on response, you know, is, is just a little oomph in the tank. You know, you're going to dot a yard. Don't get me wrong. Where do you spray a weed? You're going to know that you sprayed a weed and you're going to have to tell people to cool their jets. But it's one of those, you get a little bit quicker activity out of the house if you're on, at least visually, you know, maybe you mm -hmm. may not get a more complete kill out of it, but you'll get a visual response out of it. And as a, as a tank mix companion, you'll be able to hit your button weed and your, your, uh, 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 sedges is kind of an all in one. Actually, uh, if you are going to be in that whole spot spray tank mix, I suggest Carfentrazone instead. Oh, good it's call. Less, no, it is, it is less stress. Yeah, Quicksilver. It's less stressful to the turf grass, but it burns the heck out of sedges. And your customers know you've been there because by the end of the week, that nut sedge is brown and crispy. They, knew, they know you were there. <laughs> So try power from I can, new farm. Yeah, try yeah, power. I kind of like a shitload of try power. Mm. So and so the point is is that sulfentrazone is actually the thing that I consider for the lawns that actually have a nut sedge issue. Because you use your sulfentrazone in a slightly different way. That goes into your spring pre-emergent rounds. And you just blanket spray that nut sedge infested lawn with the label rate of sulfendrazone, and you'll find that the nut sedge is no longer as aggressive. And in fact, the FMC people have proven that when doing that program, you're actually reducing the amount of nut sedge tubers present in the soil year over year keep hitting that nutsedge-infested lawn with sulfendrazone year one, year two, you get to the point where you hardly have any nutsedge. And you know what, Josh? I've seen that happen for myself because I happen to be in the purple nutsedge capital of the United States. It's horrible here. Yeah, I had a decent amount last year that I... I dealt with. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, another another upsell opportunity. Again, in certain circumstances, you know, like if if, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but in specific circumstances where the opportunity presents itself, like I was talking about those lakefront properties, it was one of the ones I actually added that as an option of, uh, and I would do three applications of sulfentrazone starting in April, uh, a month apart of four ounces per acre of sulfentrazone, three apps, bam, 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 uh, April, May, June. And, uh, and it was amazing that for the rest of the season, you just did not have or see any, any, uh, sedges. I did a very in-depth, uh, uh, presentation on that on YouTube. If you look up how to kill nut sedge, uh, you'll see mm -hmm. it's a, it's like a PowerPoint I went through and kind of talked about the different things that are options. What mm -hmm. else? <laughs> Lay it on us. <laughs> uh, how about um, suggestions for, for mixing some of these sprayable 
uh, nitrogens, um, granular, you know, wet them down. Uh, okay. What's your preferred method of doing that? Just, just okay. general best case. Do you have a, do you have a basket in your uh, Grex and Clark sprayer? No. Get one. You- get one? Get, get a basket? Or get, what get I would... Doctor. No, what I would tell oh, you to do... you fucking nerd. Okay. Or else, if not an inductor... I know what he's talking Yeah. You, nice. you get a separate bulk tank. It can't even be a 275-gallon tote. And you plumb that so that that 275-gallon tote is basically running off of a 5-horsepower centrifugal pump. And that pump can do two things on that tote. It can either agitate the heck out of whatever you have in that tank, or it can pump it up into your skid sprayer. Because I understand that with most skid sprayers, you know what their limitation is? The agitation on them absolutely sucks. Where for me, I know what I did on my skid sprayer is... I essentially re-engineered it so that I got extremely good agitation out of it. Because uh, for me, agitation is everything. I did <laughs> the lazy man's way, and when I got in at the end of the day, um, I filled mm-hmm. up my tank, and I added my nitrogen to it, and I uh, gave it a little swirly swirl. And then normally, mm-hmm. the next morning, I could come in and t- turn on my pump and let it recirculate for a little bit, and I was crystal clear and good to go. That, that's that's other ways to do it, but then if you're mixing on the fly, then you know either the bulk tank or else uh, good agitation. Because I know in my tank, I'm literally running five jet agitator nozzles, and they're uh, pointed so that water. the hot water is another one. So if you can hook up to hot water and fill up uh you know pour that urea into hot water that would be awesome too because you know you ever notice that you know when you're dissolving urea you notice how that thing gets cold because endothermic reaction yeah dissolving urea is a very endothermic uh Type reaction. In fact, they take advantage of that. You know, for the first aid ice packs, Matt. Mm-hmm. There's two bags in that ice pack. One side has plain water. The other side has urea granules. So when you break the bag, oh. the two mix, and then that gets cold. So, yeah, you just gotta take into account the fact that it gets cold when you when it hits water, but. Overall, agitation is your best friend, and that even goes for whatever spray mixes you have loaded up in the skid sprayer that you want to then dispense into the permagreen. You know, make sure that that skid sprayer is very well agitated nonetheless, so that you get a good mix. I mean, because I've seen jobs where Bad agitation 
has caused strange things to happen to the grass. J-Pink, throw my picture up real quick when I, I shared our group chat. Talking about nuts, edge, and sod. This is what we're trying to avoid because that's sometimes the level of seeming and sod quality that you're going to get on some of these new builds. So just, just keep that, uh, keep your uh, sedge control game intact. Be ready to go. <laughs> oh, man, that's... That's what else? What else that? you got? Yeah. You know, uh, that, that, that's something that I actually have seen happen, Ryan. I've seen it happen, and the homeowners freaked out, and of course, I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried. <laughs> what else you got? Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure I could come up with something here, but uh, that's... Well- We'll take yeah, it to the after show. For sure. yeah. We're at 11 o'clock. I shared a doc with you with uh, some program uh, modifications. Uh, so check your email. And uh, anyway, it's kind of a running thing that we'll see with some recommendations that we talked about tonight. Uh, if you want to come hang out, uh, it's going to be uh, locker room talk in that one. Uh, you know, there's going to be no grabbing by the P, but definitely locker room talk is where we go on the uh, maybe a, maybe a nut tap, a yeah, yeah, tap. A, 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 a slap, a nut slap, uh, maybe slap some nut. nut, some nutscaping, uh, will be taking place as well, too. Uh, and of we course, look at a few uh, nutscaping photos, tons of tons of, of Bud Light and uh, Lady Boys as well to boot. And I'm going to get canceled for that, aren't I? Damn it. I should not have said that. Um, anyway, uh, patreon.com forward slash burner return. Uh, we're going to the show after the show. That's where that's where um, uh, middle-aged men just have a complete come apart at, I don't know, whatever we want at, because fuck it, it's our show. Who cares? Uh, y'all have a good one. We'll catch y'all on the flip side. But... <laughs>